Awesome. Thank you. Hey, thank you, team. Well, good morning, church. How are you? Good. It is good to see you here. I'm glad that you've come to worship with us today. And listen, if this is your first time here, uh, welcome to Double Community Church. My name is Adam Robinson. I'm the senior pastor here, and we are glad that you are here this morning. Got a lot of great things to share. Uh, and before we even jump into the sermon proper, if you've been with here uh, with us the past few weeks, uh, you know we've had some great announcements to share with you. Thank you, Hayes. Uh, some new staff that are joined our church, and we actually have yet another announcement uh, today. A couple weeks ago, uh, Dave Watson joined our staff as our executive pastor. Last week, Brian. Cornelius came on as our administrator, uh, and we have a, a brand new one to introduce to you today. Many of you guys know, if you've been here uh, over the years, that our women's ministry was led by Madge Nolan. She kind of created this position from scratch and helped us for years and years, but last year she retired out of that position, uh, but she left a lot of great ministries in place, and a lot of you stepped up to help all of those different women, women's ministries keep going, and that has been incredibly helpful for us, uh, but we needed somebody who to really help Help us coordinate all of those ministries and keep them moving forward. So we've been praying about that. Uh, a lot of different uh, volunteers stepped up to help us, but we have made a decision uh, for somebody to come alongside us and help us with our women's ministry, uh, and she is Courtney Solosi. And so I'm going to welcome Courtney up on the stage, if you will. Could you guys just give Courtney a hand, if you would? Many of you guys know Courtney, but if not, I wanted to put a name with a face. Uh, Courtney and her, uh, her husband, Rob, have been with us for years. Uh, they run a community group together. He is a deacon, so they serve there as well, uh, helping us out in a lot of different ways. But she has been instrumental these last few months of keeping all these ministries rolling, and we are really excited to bring her onto the team. If you've been a part of some of the women's ministry events we've done in the past couple months, you may have met Courtney or seen her there. Uh, I mean, we're excited just to build on that success for all the new things to come. And so ladies, listen, if the Lord starts birthing things in you and saying, listen, I want to be a part of women's ministry, I want to get connected, man, Courtney is the person to talk to to help you with that, and we are very excited to have her. And so welcome, Courtney, to the team. Would you guys give her another round of applause? Welcome. Thank you. Listen, you really should get to know her. She is amazing. But listen, grab your Bibles now, if you will. Let's go to John chapter 12. John 12, verse 20 is where we'll begin today. As we look ahead into our future, John chapter 12, verse 20 is where we'll begin in just a minute. John chapter 12, verse 20 is where we'll start. While you are turning there, I am sure that you are all aware that during this past week, school has restarted. Uh, and listen, all the parents obviously know that. You sent your kids off to school this past week, and so you are aware, but I would assume that all of us are aware of this fact, because whether you have kids or not, your social media feed, I am sure, has been filled with all kinds of first day of school pictures of wonderful, cute children. How many of you saw this in your feeds all this week? I mean, a bunch of us. I mean, this is just everywhere. I've been watching them flow through. I've had my child do the same thing. I mean, it's a, an exciting time of year when we see all of these kids heading off for their first day of school. And look, that's exciting for you if you're a parent. It's exciting for you if you're a grandparent. You might even, these might just be, you know, kids of your friends or people here, you know, here at church and say, oh, look, they're growing up. And it is, it's just an exciting time. You see them with their backpacks on and they're ready to go and they got a smile. It's a little bit nervous, but they're a little bit ready to get back into school. It's an exciting time. There's a brand new year in front of them. Some of them are going to a new school for the very first time. They may be going to school for the very first time. But if it's not elementary school, maybe it's middle school or high school, or maybe they're heading off to college, and there's this, these new opportunities, a whole new season in front of them. And so it's exciting to watch all of those pictures kind of march all across your social feeds. But 
let's be honest, along with all of that joy, it's just a little bit of sadness, is there not? It's not universally fun because as you see those pictures, you will inevitably be drawn back to pictures from last year of these same children, or maybe two years ago or five years ago, and you recognize they're growing up. Uh, they're different. They're, they're older now. You can say, oh, look, they're, they're taller. They're bigger. Look, they're more mature. This, it's crazy to think of it. You saw the same kind of picture years ago, and now here they are going to a new school or graduating. It's just a It's a beautiful thing. It's exciting, but there's also a little bit of loss attached to it because they're not getting any younger. They're not going back to that season. They will only get older from here. And so when you see the older pictures, you're reminded of of those times that you had when they were that age. But now there's a brand new adventure in front of all of them. It's a bittersweet kind of experience. And honestly, that's just life in general. Our whole life is a series of seasons where we have both of those feelings mixed in together, where there's a lot of excitement about the things that are always coming that are new, but always sometimes a little bit of loss of the things that we don't have any more. And that's true for us as individuals. It's also true for us as believers. And it's even true for us as a church. And so we'll be talking a little bit about where we've been, where we are, and where we're going as we head into a new season together. But I want to show you this in the scriptures first. So look at John chapter 12, starting in verse 20. Um, John chapter 12, starting in verse 20. Let me kind of set up where we're at. Uh, This is the last week before Jesus is crucified. Uh, Jesus has come to Jerusalem on purpose, and he knows that just within just a matter of days... He will be crucified, dying for the sins of the people. He has come to Jerusalem for this very purpose. He's had the triumphal entry just a couple days ago. The crucifixion's a couple days hence. But all the Passover celebrations are going on. And something interesting happens in verse 20. Look at this. It says, Now among those who were going up to worship at the feast were some Greeks. So these came to Philip, who was from Bethsaida in Galilee, and asked him, Sir, we wish to see Jesus. Philip went and told Andrew, Andrew and Philip went and told Jesus, and Jesus answered them, The hour is come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Truly, truly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. Whoever loves his life loses it, and whoever hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. If anyone serves me, he must follow me, and where I am, there my servant will be also." If anyone serves me, the Father will honor him. Let's stop right there. This is one of a handful of instances in the Gospels where Jesus is asked a very direct question and gives an answer that seems to have nothing to do with that question, which is always a little bit annoying, isn't it? If you ask somebody a question and they just completely disregard it and start talking about something else, And that's weird when we do it, but why in the world would Jesus do this? Here, you've got some Greeks who have come with a very specific question. Hey, we want to see Jesus. And so Andrew and Philip said, hey, these guys want to see you. And then next thing you know, Jesus is talking about seeds and dying and servants and and all this other stuff. And they're like, yeah, but what about the Greeks, right? I mean, they're, they're right there. Why in the world would Jesus hear a very direct question and then give a completely different answer? Well, we need to think about what actually is happening in this moment. It is a little bit odd that there are Greeks seeking after Jesus. These are non-Jews, and they have come to Jerusalem during a Jewish festival. And they are not coming as tourists. They have come to worship during Passover. 
Now that is interesting. We would expect all the Jews to gather in Jerusalem for Passover, but these are non-Jews who are coming to worship Yahweh, and specifically now they're wanting to see Jesus. Hey, we've heard of Jesus. We want to see Jesus. Jesus has spent his ministry primarily talking to the Jews. He has been serving amongst the Jews, but the plan was never to keep the gospel there. The plan was always for the gospel to go to all people's nations, tribes, and tongues. From from Abraham on, that was always the goal. And so as these two Greeks come seeking after Jesus, it's almost a trigger for Jesus to say, now the hour has come. Now the hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Now the the time has come because if a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains by itself alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. Still, it doesn't seem like he's on the same page, but we can follow his thinking. You see, Jesus could easily have just given an audience to these two Greeks, taking care of them, and that would have been fine for those Greeks. But what about the rest of the Greeks? What about us? The rest of us non-Jews, the people who desperately need salvation. If if everybody's got to come and make pilgrimage to him physically, he says, listen, I, I can only do much in this one physical place. But if I die, if I rise again, then that can bear incredible fruit for everyone, which is why. To the utter shock and horror of his disciples, just a few days later, Jesus will die, crucified on a cross, and his body will fall into the earth. And then three days later, to the utter shock and amazement and joy of those same disciples, he will rise again, resurrected to brand new life. And when he comes back, he says, listen, I have paid for all the sins of the world. In me, there is salvation, not just for the Jews, but for anybody who would call upon the name of the Lord. This is not by works, but by my grace. Jesus has done everything. He will ascend back into heaven, send his spirit. And now through us, that gospel has gone literally all over the world. Now all over the planet, we don't have to go to Jerusalem. I don't have to make pilgrimage. The gospel literally comes through all the people of God all over the world. Jesus has died and been resurrected and it has borne much fruit. He did this amazing miracle of resurrection. But remember that when he came back from a resurrection, he was different. When Jesus was resurrected from the dead, he was not really the same as when he had died. He bore some of the scars from the crucifixion, but other than that, his body was completely healed. But the disciples had a hard time recognizing him. He was a little bit different, and his body could do things it never could do before. He was whole. He was made new. He was different in an incredibly awesome way. And Jesus is paving the way now in resurrection and saying, I'm going to be the firstborn from among the dead. And now he is offering that same salvation to each and every one of us. There was a death, and then there was a resurrection. But notice that Jesus isn't simply talking about himself here. He's not simply prefiguring what he himself is going to do. Look what he says in verse 25. He says, whoever loses his life, or loves his life, loses it, and whoever hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. If anyone serves me, he must follow me. So he's not just talking about himself, he's talking about us. He says, if we are going to be believers, if we are believers in Jesus Christ, we're not simply to say, yes, Jesus, you did that. Jesus is inviting us to follow. He says, no, you must also walk this path. You must also walk the path of death and resurrection. 
In the same way that I go through this process, you also are going to have to come through this process, this process of death and then being made new into something, someone glorious. And we know that because this is not the only place that Jesus says this. He actually says this all throughout the Gospels. He's been telegraphing this the entire time. In Luke chapter 9, Jesus will say this, If anybody would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow after me. That's interesting. Years before his crucifixion, he'll say, we ought to daily take up the implement of our own execution. We're literally to die daily so that we can rise again in Jesus Christ as we follow after him. What does it profit a man to gain the whole world and lose his soul? He'll even say, listen, you're going to have to hate mother, father, brothers, sisters, and everybody and, and, and follow after me. And if you can't leave this behind, you can't be my disciple. And these are words that we read and we're just like, man, that's, that seems harsh. That seems weird. That seems hard. So much so that we kind of we say, well, I'll work on some other stuff. I'll get to that a little bit later. That seems a little bit advanced for me, but, but we can't do that. You might say, well, then why? Why would Jesus say such things? Why would he put it in such stark terms? Look, he's not punishing us. He's not, he's not asking us to do this as some sort of judgment or, or punishment. He says, no, but there can't be this new life. There can't be the resurrection until you die first. If a seed will fall into the earth and die and stop being a seed, it can produce so much more fruit. There's a death and there's a resurrection into something grand, something glorious. And this is something that all of us as believers in Jesus Christ how to follow after. This is the resurrection that he's asking us to live in. But what does that look like? What is Jesus actually telling us to do? How do I actually lose my life in this world? Well, in one sense, this has already happened. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, if you are saved, you have already seen this occur in your life. To put your faith in Jesus Christ is not simply to say, I believe that Jesus died and rose from the grave. Anybody can do that. It's honestly quite easy. Demons do it all the time. Anybody can just believe that, but to become a Christian is to say, no, I put my trust in him. Jesus, I have surrendered my life to you. I am broken, and I need to be made alive again, and so I want my whole life to die, and when we put our trust in him, God did this miracle of resurrecting us and saying, you have been born again. You're actually brand new in me. Every time somebody gets in those baptism waters, we see this played out. It's a picture of burial, of death, and then resurrection, coming back to life. It's an outward sign of an inward reality. So if you've given your life to Jesus Christ, if you surrender to him, this has already happened. It is a done deal. Right now, you are seated with Christ in the heavenlies. Why? Because Christ is in you, and you are in him. It is already done. You are justified in the sight of God. This cannot be taken away from you. You're not going to lose it. It is a done deal. God has resurrected us over. But in another sense, this is also still happening. In a very practical sense, This is still going on in our lives. God, over time, is changing us. As our old life dies, God is resurrecting us piece by piece, bit by bit, and making us, over time, more like him. This is why he's going to say, take up your cross daily. We do this again and again, and in small ways, God continues this transformative process of making us more like him. 
And as you and I live in this world, that is where we will live our entire earthly life in the midst of this process. And it's cyclical. Sometimes it's a daily cycle of of taking up my cross. Sometimes it's a seasonal cycle of taking up your cross. You can see this in the trees every year. We'll see it here in just a couple months. We Here at Mount Laurel, we love the trees, all right? It's a big thing for us here. And every year they turn colors and it's always beautiful around here. But every year it looks like these trees go through a death. They lose all of their leaves and they're going to be bare and stark for a couple months, but they haven't died. A few months later, they'll have new shoots. They'll put out new leaves. There'll be fresh green leaves on all of those trees and the cycle will start again. But That tree is different from the one the year prior. It's a little bit bigger. It's a little bit taller. It's a little bit fuller. It's not the same tree than it was a year before. It has gone through a season of loss and then a season of renewal. And this is exactly what happens in our life as well. God leads us through different seasons, sometimes in a daily cycle, but also sometimes in a seasonal cycle where we go through seasons of loss and then seasons of renewal. And this is something we all need from time to time. These are gifts from the Spirit that God will take us into a season of renewal. Now, there's a lot of words you could use to describe this period in our life. Another word we could use here is the word revival. How many of you went to a revival growing up? Anybody? Yep. Remember revivals? Uh, we thought about that as we were walking through this. Why don't we just say season of revival? Because that's kind of part and parcel of what's happening here. But uh, for us, revival has certain connotations in our culture. Uh, I remember, I actually have very fond memories of revivals growing up in church. Uh, we had different times and seasons in my church. We would all come together every single night and we would worship the Lord. And God did some incredible things. Uh, sometimes those were planned. Sometimes those were unplanned. I've preached different revivals before. Kelly and I have actually preached revivals together at different places over the years. And so God marks out times to, to really move. But when we usually say revival, we're try, we think of something short term. We think of something that happens over a couple days or maybe a week or even a couple weeks, but, but not something long term. Furthermore, we just kind of expect revival to happen, right? We keep hoping and it's going to happen you know, that thing's going to happen in church. It's almost like we're playing the spiritual lottery every time we come to church, right? We come in, we buy a ticket by showing up just to see if something's going to happen in front of us. And then it doesn't. And we go, that's all right. I'll be back next week and buy another ticket. Maybe it'll happen then. And the Lord's just going to do something and we'll all be revived. But that's not really the word that Scripture uses to talk about this growth and this transformation. The word that he uses is renewal. I want to show you this in Scripture. So look at a few different verses. Here's 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 16. Paul says, So we don't lose heart, though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. All right, so even though outwardly things may not be great, there's an inward renewal that is taking place. And then notice the daily factor, day by day. This is a continual process that is happening in our lives. It ought to be a renewal. Go to the next one. Here's Colossians 3, verses 9 and 10. He says, Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. Now, you get the whole story right here in two verses. On the one hand, you see the already and the not yet. You say, we have put off the old self. We have put on the new self. It's a done deal. We have it in our salvation in Jesus Christ. But that new self is being renewed. Present tense. Active. Ongoing. 
We're in a process of renewal, that it's happening. And what's the goal of this process? We are renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. We are becoming more like God himself. God is literally recreating us from the inside out to be more like him. He does not simply want to kind of wipe off the sin and kind of make us okay. He says, no, I want to transform you to become like me. You can see this in the next verse. Look at Romans chapter 12, verse 2. He says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Here you see a specific part of this, that our minds need to be renewed. That a transformation occurs, a renewal occurs, to where I begin to think like the Lord. I begin to see things His way. I begin to respond like He responds, love like He loves. I become more like Him. And in all of these verses, that's the same Greek word following through all of those different verses. You see this over and over and over. This is what the Lord is doing through us. And so the Lord here is saying, we, I want to lead you into a season of renewal. If there's been a season of loss, we want to follow that with a season of renewal. And inside that renewal, you always see two things. There are two things going on whenever we find ourselves in a season of renewal. There is restoration and transformation. There's restoration and transformation. And those two things happen concurrently. You don't have to wait for one to end and the other to begin. They both happen at the same time. First off, there is restoration. Let's look back at that 2 Corinthians verse. It says, we don't lose heart. Our outer self is wasting away, but our inner self is being renewed day by day. Let me give you a little bit of context of what's going on here. Why is Paul saying his outer self is wasting away? Well, just a few verses before, he says this. This is the same chapter, just a couple verses up. He says, but we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. But we are afflicted in every way, but not crushed, perplexed, but not driven to despair, persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed, always carrying in the body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our bodies. For we who live are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake so that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our mortal flesh. Go back to that one slide, if you will. Look at what Paul's saying here. Paul's been in a bad season. It's been a rough season for Paul. Paul says, listen, we've been afflicted in every way. We were persecuted. We were struck down. And the result of that is that they were confused. They didn't really understand what was going on. If you read the first of 2 Corinthians, he'll go so far as to say, hey, we thought we were going to die. We didn't think we would make it out of here. We despaired even of life. That's how bad it got. We want you to be aware of what it was like for us. But he says, even in the midst of all that, we're not getting to despair. We haven't really been forsaken or destroyed, but this has been a really tough season. And then a couple of verses later, he says, look, outwardly we're wasting away, but inwardly there is a restoration. We're being renewed day by day as we go through pain and trials in this life, as we inevitably will at different seasons of our life, the Lord says there can be healing. There can be a restoration in me. That's the first part of renewal. But then there's also transformation. Transformation. Let's go to the next verse. Uh, let's go to Romans chapter 12, verse 2. You can see it right there. Don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. That by testing, you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. 
So our minds are to be transformed. We're not simply healed from the hurts and the pains that we accrue in this life. He says, no, I want to change you. I want you to, over time, become more like me. And that's not just for the first few years when you become a believer. This goes through your entire Christian life. I am in a process of renewing you, transforming you. And then we got to the Colossians verse. He tells us why. Because we're going to be renewed after the image of our creator. God is not going to rest until we literally become like him. He is doing a work of resurrection in us. He doesn't simply say, hey, I want you to be saved. He says, no, I want you to be transformed. I want you to become like me. There has been a death and there's going to be a resurrection. There's also smaller deaths and the Lord brings part of that resurrection to us. So in a season of renewal, we find both of those things at play. You have restoration and you have transformation and together it produces renewal. And at different times in our lives, we always need to be going through this season of renewal. That's true for us as individuals, but it's also true for us as a corporate body. It's true for churches. God takes his people through seasons of losses, but also seasons of renewal. Let's be honest. Let's just talk just a little bit about where we have been over the past few years. We've had a season of loss. It's been a rough few years, has it not? Not the best few years, just looking at circumstances around everyone. It's just been a crazy few years. There have been a lot of losses over the past three years. But here's the good news. We're entering into a brand new season. As we're walking into the fall and as we're walking into this next year, we're about to be able to get back to a lot of the things that we haven't been able to do for a while. Double Look University is coming back this season. We're going to have our Wednesday nights back. We're going to be able to meet together again. We're going to be able to have classes once again. Some of the other events that we haven't been able to do, like Trunk or Treat and other things that we haven't done for a while, are going to be coming back this fall. We're going to have an opportunity to be able to do these things again. Our community groups are back meeting together. I know we're still in this, the Delta variant, hopefully the last tail end of what's going on here, but we are moving forward towards getting back to a lot of the things that we have lost. It's an exciting season to know that we're going to be having again some of the things that we really enjoyed just a few years ago. But something we have to understand, though, that even though it's great news that we get to start up again and do even some new things as well, we are a different people that are going to be doing all those things. We are not the same church that we were three years ago. We are not the same people that we were just a couple years ago. We're kind of different. If you've been here for the last little while, what do you think about just how different we are today than we were just three years ago? Three years ago, we embarked on a journey to go into a multi-campus church. We started a brand new congregation over at Chelsea, and we sent 200 people from right here who fellowshiped with us to worship over at the Chelsea campus. It's been amazing. It's been a huge success. But It also was a little bit painful because there's people we don't see as often anymore. Uh, There's people, the relationships kind of got changed. There were leaders who were here and now they're over there. There was staff that was here and and now they're over there. It it caused a a change over here in in our congregation as we've been working together. 
staff has changed over that time. We've had staff who've left. We've had staff who've added on. We had staff who used to be here at Mount Laurel who are now over at Chelsea. We've even had staff who were at Chelsea, like Hayes, who are back over here at Mount Laurel. I have present staff on staff who are still on staff, but in a different role, like Kelly Stevenson, who's doing something totally different than he was doing three years ago. We've added on three staff in just the past few weeks. We're different than we were just a couple years ago. And look, we, we've had, even though we knew all those people who left in that time over three years, they have over 350 people who are worshiping weekly over the Chelsea campus. Is that not amazing? Three years in, 350 people. We sent 200. That means they've almost doubled. But that's a couple hundred people who don't really know us and have never really gotten to know us over here at Mount Laurel because we're growing. This is exactly what we wanted to see, but it makes us different. And guess what? This is all before we had a pandemic. Y'all remember that? Remember that pandemic thing we had? That was kind of rough. We were completely isolated from one another for three months. Three months, we didn't get to worship together at all. We had to do everything by video. Some of us are still worshiping by video. Here at Mount Laurel, we still have a sizable group of people who worship every week by video. And even when we came back, it wasn't the same. We couldn't do our community groups the same way. There was the whole Zoom situation. And, and man, some people came back and some people didn't. And some people kind of checked in over time. It was, and, and the new people started to come and some people left. And, and all that's just been kind of kind of going forward a little bit over the course of the past year to where we find ourselves today. And even though things are getting back to normal and we're starting things up again, we find ourselves to be a different group of people than we were three years ago. Just look around at the faces. We're not all the same faces that we were three years ago. And even the same faces that you're seeing, those ain't the same people, are they? We've all been through a lot. We've had a lot happen. We're not the same people we were just three years ago. We're different. It's not bad, by the way. But we have to recognize we're a little different than we were just a couple years ago. And secondly, we need to recognize that we've all been traumatized a bit. We really have. All of us have been wounded over the course of the past three years. And if anybody says, nah, man, I'm fine. I haven't been wounded at all. Wake up. Nobody has gone through the past three years unscathed. Nobody. It's been hard. Man, the pandemic cost a lot. We're dealing with losses still. Man, we, we've lost friends. We've lost family members. We lost opportunities. We're, we're dealing with just a lot of losses that came along with not just the lockdown, but the pandemic and then how it all happened and all the, the chaos that happened in our culture around that. We've been hurt by the circumstances that we've been living in. It might have hurt your job. It might have hurt your, your routine. It might have hurt your family in different ways. Man, we've been hurt by those things in different ways, in different measures, but we've all been hurt. We've even been hurt by one another. We, you may have been hurt by people in this very room, by how they reacted to the pandemic by things they said online, by how they did react or didn't react, what they did or didn't do, you might have been wounded by that. And let's get really honest, we've also probably wounded other people. Sometimes intentionally, almost always unintentionally, but by the way that we reacted or by the things that we have said, we might also have wounded other people right here in this room. And that's hard. There's a lot of hurt going on here. Now look, that sounds a little bit bleak, so let's pull back for just a little bit of a second. That's not to say that we're in a bad spot, because we're not. We're actually in a really good spot. Out of all of that chaos, do you know what the Lord has done? The Lord has kept us strong even in the midst of it. 
We have watched God baptize people all throughout this process. We are still seeing people join the church on both campuses. We are seeing people join. We are seeing people baptized. We are seeing ministries happen. We are growing and not shrinking. On top of that, the Lord has kept us stable. Financially, we're in an incredible position. We're not in the position of having to cut staff. We're in the position of adding staff. The Lord has put us in an incredible spot, and our future is incredibly bright. We have so much right here in front of us. But as we step into a new season, it is important for us to recognize who we are right now because we're not who we were. We're different who we were just a couple years ago, and we need to recognize that so that we can actually step into this season of renewal. We're not going to be able to grab onto all the new things that God has for us in this season until we recognize who we are right now. And so for us as a congregation, and specifically for us here at Mount Laurel, There's two things over the course of this next season that we're going to need to walk through. We're going to need to walk through some restoration and transformation. We're going to be living in this season of renewal for a while. And this is not a new sermon series. This is a new theme that's just going to kind of be running in the background over the course of the next 18 to 24 months. Everything we do will kind of be underneath this backdrop of we are in a season of renewal. God is bringing new things to bear. But in that process, we as a people need restoration and transformation. First off, we need restoration. For all of the, that hurt that we have accrued, all of the, the things that we're still dealing with, just like Paul was dealing with all of those afflictions, we need healing from those things. And that really just starts with grieving. That's not the most fun thing to talk about, but if we're going to move forward, we're going to have to learn to grieve. Because for some of us, when we recognize that we can't go back to the way things were, that we're not exactly the same people that we were a couple years ago, that as we start something new, it can't be exactly how it was for many of us in this room, that's sad. I mean, look, I've been here 11 years. Some of you guys have been here three years, five years, 10. Some of you have been here 15 years. And man, if you haven't been here for that time, dude, it's been awesome. There has been a lot of incredible things that take place. I am so proud of what God has done in us over the past 11 years. I liked where we were. I liked what God was doing. And the fact that we can't go back to exactly the way it was is a little bit sad. We liked that. It was really great. And so it's a little bit sad for some of us to think about that. Some of you are brand new. You started coming to church in the middle of the uh, pandemic, or maybe it's your first week here, and going, why are people sad? This place is great. I'm glad I found it. This is fun. How do I get plugged in? You're just stoked. You may have to bear with a few of us, as we're going to have to heal from a couple things. We're all at different places here. Look, if you just sent your kid off to college, or if you've ever done that before, you know what this feels like, right? I've talked to a lot of you in the past few weeks. We had a lot of folks who sent their kids off to college. Even just this past week, they had to go and drop them off at campus. And look, that is a very bittersweet moment. Because look, when you take those kids to college, it is joyous. You're so proud. You're so excited for them for this brand new, exciting adventure that they get to step into. They are becoming the adults we've always wanted them to be. But at the very same time, that means this is the end of an era, a good era an era that you love. They're not going to be living in your home anymore until they inevitably graduate and come back and live in your basement. But until then, they're not, by, they're not coming back home. They're not going to be there every day anymore. And that is sad. And that is worth grieving. It's not bad to grieve that. 
It's not bad to say, man, I had this thing and it was amazing and I, I, we're not gonna have it in the same way anymore. I have something different now and it can, it can be great. It can be even greater, but I don't have this thing like it was anymore. It's okay to grieve that. And all of us in different ways and at different levels are gonna have to go through that process of grieving. We have to so that we can actually accept the new things that God wants to give us. If we're demanding for it to be just like it was, hey, it's not gonna be like that. It just doesn't work that way. We, we can't actually go back. I hope we all know that. Did you ever find that out the hard way? I had to find that out the hard way. Did you ever try to go back to your school after you graduated, like from high school or college? Did you ever try to go back and found out how weird that was? I remember doing this after college. I loved college. College was awesome. I went to Stanford University, loved it. It was amazing. I knew everybody, loved the whole environment. You're in this little bubble. It's, you know, it's just a ton of fun. It was great until you graduate and things outside of college, not as fun. Let's be honest, right? They have things like rent, right? And responsibilities and jobs and things that you have to do. It's not nearly as fun. You're not hanging around with just all your friends all the time. You don't have as much free time. And so after about a year of, of doing that, I said, man, I'm going to go back to campus. I'm going to see my old friends. I'm going to hang out there. I belong there. This is my place. These are my people. And then you get on campus and after about an hour, you get this weird feeling and you realize that the weirdness is you, right? Because you don't belong there anymore. There's all these new people like, who's the old guy? Which old guy? I'm the old guy. Wait a minute. And even though it's the same buildings and the same place, it's different people. And, and that's not your place anymore. And that's hard to say, man, I had an incredibly great season, but God's leading me into a new season. I got to let go of one so I can grab hold of the other. Part of this season of restoration is just a healing a healing of relationships, a healing of the wounds that we've all suffered, a healing of different things that have happened over the course of the past three years. God can bring that healing through the Holy Spirit into each of our lives. But please know this too. Sadly, we're not done with some of that hurt. I've begun to notice something troubling in our culture and even in the midst of our congregation. We are entering into a second wave of trauma there was a first wave of trauma that happened during the lockdown and as we happened to get into the pandemic, there was all the chaos, all the confusion, there was all the things that happened in the midst of that. We usually recovered, or most of us recovered from that, but as we are getting back to normal and as things are, we're all getting back outside and getting back into a more of a routine, it is revealing some things. Uh, for some of us, for a lot in this culture and maybe even some of us in this room, uh, we found ways of coping with the pandemic that may not have been the best. It got you through, but those coping mechanisms have a price tag and the bills come and due. And what I'm beginning to see amongst us and in our culture is a second wave of trauma of addictions being revealed, of affairs, of marital trouble, of mental illness and stress that are starting to rear their heads as we realize that, man, this way that we got ourselves through didn't actually do us a whole lot of favors and there might be a little bit of more pain, and we need to be a place of restoration in this season. For our brothers and sisters in this congregation, as we continue to struggle, and for our neighbors who are also struggling and need to find the hope of the gospel, we must be a place of restoration, a place where people can come in broken and find healing, not in us, but in Jesus Christ where we can be that place of refuge that people can come in and during a season of renewal, find themselves renewed in the Holy Spirit. Restoration is going to be a part of this renewal for the foreseeable future. But it's not just renewal. It's also, or not restoration, it's also transformation. 
You see, when God renews us, he doesn't want us simply to be a hospital. When you go to the hospital, their goal is to make you as well as you were before you got sick. That is an admirable goal. That's what you want them to do. Jesus goes beyond that. He says, listen, I don't want you to bring you back to your old status quo. I want to heal you from where you've been, but I also want to transform you to make you new. Just like in resurrection, Jesus does not come back the same. No, he comes back different. He comes back more. The Lord says, in this resurrection, I want to make you more like me. He's not going to let a season of loss go to waste. He's actually going to use this for our good and for his glory. He wants to transform us in the middle of it. And that's where things really start to get exciting. Because we walk into the brand new season. You see that word new right there in the middle of that renewal. He's not just bringing us back to where we were. He says, no, I am doing new things in the midst of this time. For those of us who've been a part of the church for a while, here's what it means for us. That God's going to do something new in you in this season than he, what he did in the last. It might mean that what you did in this last season, as great as that was, God might say, listen, that's great. I have something new for you over the course of the next five or ten years. Maybe in this season, you've never done this before, but maybe you'll be a deacon. Maybe you'll be an elder. Maybe you'll be a community group leader. Maybe a new ministry is going to be birthed through you. God's going to put something unique inside of you and gift you in a unique way that is going to allow us as brothers and sisters to come alongside of you to serve, not just this congregation, but the people of our area. He's going to be doing brand new things, just like he did in the last season. He'll be doing new things in the midst of us. He's not done with us. He doesn't want us just to do what we've done. He says, there's more that I'm bringing to you. I'm going to transform you, equip you in brand new ways. And look, if you're new to the church, if you just started coming to the church over the past year, if you're just coming in the past few weeks, this is an excellent time to be joining the church. Why? Because God might be bringing you for this particular season at this particular point in time for a reason. It's been fun for me as people have been joining the church over the past few months. I sit down and, and we do interviews. We, we talk. We get to know one another. We share stories. And man, as I hear about what God's done in their lives and I hear about their spiritual gifts, it's been kind of exciting for me to go, man, why is God bringing you to Double Oak now? That is a really unique gift set. Man, why is God bringing you to us right at this time? Man, that's an incredibly uh, unique gift that you have. And if, if you couple that gift with this gift and with the gifts that we already have, man, God could be doing something new. I don't see all the edges yet, but... Wow, this is exciting that God continues to bring new folks to us, brothers and sisters, and says, together, I'm going to put you into a new configuration to do brand new things that maybe you've never done before. As great as the last season was, the Lord says, I have even more in store for you. There is a transformation that gets to take place. New giftings, new opportunities, new ministries for us. He doesn't want us to simply stay the same, but to be renewed to be different, to follow in that path a resurrection, to become that little bit more like him. It's different, but it's not a bad thing. It's not even completely different. It's just new in a brand new way. And look, this extends not just to us as individuals or even us here, but this also extends to our relationship between our campuses. Three years ago, we started this adventure of being a one church on two campuses, and it's been a ride We've learned a lot along the way, but we've also grown. Like we said before, three years ago when we started this thing, we knew almost everybody there, but, but now they have a lot of people that we don't know as well. When they started three years ago, they were meeting in a school, and so we had to do a lot of our events together because there was really no other place for us to do them. But now we've built a brand new facility that opened last November in the midst of a pandemic. Let that sink in for just a second. 
In the midst of this, God's continued to grow us, and now they have a fully functional building. They are worshiping together in that building as we speak. And God continues to do new things there. When they started, they only had a few staff dedicated to Chelsea. We now have eight staff dedicated just to Chelsea. Think about that for just a second. It is different than where we were just a couple years before. And look, as we've grown in this process and learned, we've had to change our mind on a couple of things. We've had to grow in a couple of things. And so, look, we've always said we're going to be one church on two campuses, and that's not changing. We're still one church on two campuses, but we want to put a new principle into the mix to help us understand what does that look like in this new season? And is this, we want to maximize ministry in multiple places. We want to maximize ministry in multiple places. And this is honestly not a new principle. The same principle that we had that caused us to do a campus in the first place. We wanted to do more ministry in more places where we could have rich, real, Christ-centered community, community-centric churches, but we can do that in more locales. We wanted to maximize ministry in multiple places. That's why we started a campus in the first place. But as we continue to move forward, that's the question we'll be asking ourselves. As we figure out what should we do together and what can we do differently, well, what maximizes ministry in multiple places? You see, being a church on two campuses ought to always be a, uh, an asset and not a hindrance. Being a church on two campuses ought always to be an asset and not a hindrance. And so where it's an asset, we want to lean into, into that. Where it helps us to do ministry on one campus together, man, we're going to do those things together like we did VBS this last year or the women's ministry events that we've had over the course of the summer. Man, we want to do those things together. Why? Because it maximizes ministry in multiple places. But sometimes we're going to need to do things a little bit differently. Because we have, well, two people in two places with some unique needs. And sometimes we'll need to do some things differently to meet those unique needs. And so if we can actually maximize the ministry by doing it in both places or doing it slightly differently, well, then we will. Why? Because we want to maximize ministry in multiple places. And so as we walk through this journey of being a multi-site church, we're continuing to evolve. We're continuing to grow. And as we step into that new season, man, I'm excited to see how the Lord takes us both as two campuses underneath one church to minister in two different ways and in two communities, but always in, in, many, in many of the same ways, we have opportunities to maximize ministry in multiple places. Now, I'm sure you get a lot of questions. You go, oh, what about this? And how does that do that? And what are we going to do with this? And how are we going hey, to... We, we, we don't have answers to all those questions yet. And we don't have to. I don't know about y'all, but did anybody predict the pandemic? Anybody? Anybody? You could have made a lot of money if you did. We didn't predict that three years ago. The Lord's been doing different things. As long as we keep our focus on Him, and we are guaranteed, we are focused in a season of renewal, of maximizing ministry in multiple places, we cannot fail to live in the Spirit and follow after Him. We're excited about all these things that the Lord is doing. But listen, here's what that means for us today. As we walk into this new season, and look, we got all kinds of new things planned. we got a whole series on relationships that are going to help us work together and love one another to heal and repair some of these things. We're going to be talking about prayer and how prayer is going to be central to really taking us forward in the Spirit. We have so many things already lined up that the Lord's going to walk us through over the course of this season of renewal. Here's my challenge to us is will you join in? Will you join in to what God is doing here and now? When we all joined the church, if you remember, we said this one thing out loud. Uh, we said that I am convinced that Jesus Christ is calling me to be an active part of this church at this time. 
to share our gifts and abilities with this church to help this church grow in the wisdom and admonition of the Lord. We say it every single time somebody joins. And when people make that commitment, we then as a church look at them and we say the same commitment. We do that on purpose. And so as we step into this new season, can I just ask you to jump in? Because there's bad news and good news. The, the bad news part of that is this. This is gonna require some work for all of us. This is the kind of thing we all have to be involved in. This is not gonna be the kind of church you can just sit and spectate in for the next couple of years. I, I guess there, there may be a church for that somewhere. But listen, that ain't here. We, we need you. If you're gonna be a part of what Double Oak is doing, listen, we need you. If God's brought you here in this season at this time, we need you. We need your gifting. We need your relationships. We need why God brought you here at this time for how you're gonna influence other people and they will influence you for how the configuration that God is putting together in this body of Christ. We, we need you here. We need you involved. And so we need you to plug in, to invest in relationships and community groups, to, to be willing to, to take on new things as the Lord might lead you, to serve in, in new ways or to allow the Lord to, to birth new things in you. We, we need you to be a part of this. And that's my challenge is that we would, whatever the Lord asks us to do, let's do that together. But here's the good news. We're not actually starting that today. We started this six months ago. This is not a process that is just beginning right now. This is something that God has been preparing us for for quite a while. As we've been walking through this whole season, the Lord's been doing a lot of things in me, and he began really unveiling some of this to me months and months ago. And as we began to prepare for a brand new season, whenever this pandemic ended and we could actually do a lot of things unhindered, we were going to need a lot to get prepared. And, and so guess what? Months ago, we did a whole series on spiritual warfare to remind us that our battle is not with flesh and blood, but our battle is with a spiritual enemy. Our battle is not with our neighbors or with one another, but our battle is with a spiritual enemy. We learned how to fight spiritual warfare. And then we did another series on living in the Holy Spirit. You see, renewal is not the kind of thing that we can do. We can't make it happen. Only the Holy Spirit can renew us. But if we will live in Him, if we will walk in the Spirit, we cannot help but be renewed. And so we spent a whole series learning how to be renewed, how to, how to live in the Holy Spirit. And then over the course of the summer, can you see me telegraphing already? We did a whole series called Return, Rebuild, Renew. That was not an accident. We've been learning over the entire summer. Guess what? We are about to be in a season where we need to return from all the places we've been, from all the woundings we have to rebuild the things that we have together to be renewed in the Holy Spirit. And just like the Lord has done this before, we have been learning lessons about how we can do this again as we move forward. So if you've been here over the course of the past six months, you've already put in a ton of work. You've already been a part of this. And if you're brand new to the church, man, I encourage you, go back and listen to these sermons. Go back and get on board with, with where we've been. Hear what God has been leading us through as we all together in this new configuration with the people that God has brought right here and right now and the people he's going to bring from our community to say, I'm doing something new in you. And it's about to be a work of resurrection, a work where I do something incredible. Are we saved? Yes. Are you completely different? No. But is God going to do something new in us? Absolutely. He's going to take us through a season of renewal to restore us and transform us in brand new ways. I cannot wait to see what he, not just what he has done in the last 10 years, but what he's going to do in the next 10 as we begin it in a season of renewal. So do this for me. Bow your heads and close your eyes where you're at. 
look, it's, it's always hard to talk about things that are painful. And no one wants to bring up the wounds that we've received over the past few years. Our culture tells us just to sh- kind of shove those down, forget about them, and just move on. But, but we can't, not, not and be healthy. The Lord's aware. And the Lord says, I want to heal you from all that. And I don't just want to heal you. I want to transform you. I want you to become like me. To where even in the midst of the, the afflictions of this world, I can renew you day by day. I can make you different. I can strengthen you, heal you, restore you, renew you. He wants to do that for you as an individual. He wants to do that for us as an entire church. He has dreams the likes of which we cannot even fathom. And he's inviting us on that journey together. So even now, maybe that's just where we need to begin is is saying, God, is this the place you're calling me? Right here, right now. This is the place where you want me to be. This is where you have led me at this time. Whether you have been at this church for years, this is your first few weeks or first week with us to say, no, God's calling me to be here, right here, right now, for this season. He wants me here. And could we just open ourselves up and say, God, we receive that. We say yes to you. And God, we need that help. But would you transform us to be the people that you want us to be and we will follow after as you do a supernatural resurrection in us. So Heavenly Father, help us. We're so thankful for what you've done in this place, for what you've done in us as a people. God, we wouldn't be who we are without what you've done in us. And you've done it even through this church. But Lord, we can claim nothing of ourselves. That's all your work. And we want to be a part of what you're doing now, what you're about to do in our midst. And so would you bind us together? Would you draw us together? Would you heal the hurts that we have? Would you make us not just uh, whole, but would you make us new? Would you make us more like you? Would you birth brand new things in and among us that everyone who sees around us would marvel, not at us as a people, but marvel at you and what you can do through the likes of us. Lord, I'm excited to see what you're gonna do and I'm excited to see, we're excited that we get to do this together as a people. So would you help us and would you guide us as we do that? We love you, Lord. In your name we pray, amen. Let's stand up together. Let's worship this morning. I'm going to be here up at the front. Maybe you want to come and spend time at the altars. Maybe you want to pray at your seats. But let's choose to respond and worship in this season today.